Hi, this is Alana. And this is Rebecca. And this is the first episode of Wait, How Do You Spell That? A rare disease podcast produced by Patient Worthy. Patient Worthy is a rare disease media platform uh, where we both work. We've worked here for a few years, but Rebecca has worked here longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And if you want to explain, since you are the expert. Well, um, so Patient Worthy is a platform that was developed quite a while ago now at this point. And it was originally developed because we felt that there was a gap in the world of the internet for rare disease patients. Um, And in this day and age, if you get diagnosed with something that maybe you've never heard of before, your first instinct is probably to turn to Google. And for rare disease patients with really uncommon conditions where there's not a lot of research, it would be hard to find information. Articles would be few and far between, and often they would be geared towards physicians or researchers and would be really clinical and maybe difficult for the average person to understand. So patient-worthy congregates and curates information from all over the world, news, articles, uh, research updates, FDA approvals, clinical trials, patient stories, all kinds of things into one place, one location, it makes them a little more consumable, a little more readable. We also conduct a lot of interviews. We provide live coverage um, at events that are relevant to the rare disease community. And we do our best to amplify patient and caregiver voices and share the realities of the rare disease experience. Yes, (laughs) that is what we do. We also are not doctors, um, so don't come to us for your medical advice. Um, I actually have a background in medical illustration, so I studied art and biology in college. Um, Rebecca has a different background. Yeah, I'm. Uh, my background's medical anthropology, um, so we're excited to talk about these things, but we can't uh, give you direct medical advice. Uh, we will, however, try to connect anyone who reaches out to us mm-hmm. to uh, relevant advocacy groups and people who may be able to help. Um, yeah. So feel free to contact us. We just can't. We're just yes. not licensed yes. for. No, this is more. <laughs> we've been working here for a few years and we have conversations all the time um, on our own behind the scenes. Like when we are writing an article or going to a conference, a lot of stuff comes up. And so this is more just to peek into our conversations and thoughts we have on different issues in the rare disease world. Both of us. Um, Both of our lives have been impacted by rare conditions, and we've had the privilege of speaking to so many people now from all over with all kinds of conditions um, and had the opportunity to to have the conversations with with them about their experiences and their realities. And we are lucky enough and privileged enough to get to have some of those people as guests on our podcast in the future. Yes, we're going to Rare Disease Week next week. Also in the future, um, the audio quality will be better. Um, right now I'm using a computer that doesn't have proper audio software in it, and that's completely just because I did not think about that this morning. Um, so we're only going up from here. Um, yeah, you've got a lot to look forward to. <laughs> yes. Um, gene therapy, better audio, lots of exciting things for the rare disease world coming. Um, today we're talking about the benefits of sharing stories, but we're also talking about why you shouldn't feel obligated to do that, um, and kind of the complications surrounding it. So, as maybe you're aware and maybe you're not, storytelling is really, really important, um, and you can look at that from a a couple different angles. Um, As we're going into Rare Disease Week, 
one, of course, that's top of mind is um, all of the individuals and families who will be lobbying this week um, and sharing their personal stories with legislators uh, in order to be able to connect with them, to convey the importance of um, some of this legislation that may not have occurred to them otherwise, if it's not something that they're personally impacted by. And a story is a, is a good way to, to create that sort of emotional rapport um, and have this legislator be able to try to put themselves in someone else's shoes and consider the millions of Americans that will be directly impacted by some of these policies, the differences that it can make in people's lives and potentially the lives of people who are directly close to them. Um, I'm mm -hmm. sure you people, if you're listening, have heard the statistic that it's one in 10. Yeah, in the US it's one in 10. It is interesting, a lot of the time, this is kind of a tangent, but a lot of the time when I say that I work for a rare disease media platform, one of the first questions I get is what what makes a disease rare? Mm. Um, and that varies from country to country. So in the US, I think it's defined as fewer than 200,000 people with a disease. Mm -hmm. But um, in the UK, which means that in the US, one out of 10 people are considered to have a rare disease. Um, and also another side note, I, sorry, I keep on going on tangents, but we also cover diseases that are neglected or undertreated or underdiagnosed. So we are not entirely limited to the rare disease space, but just other spaces that don't have enough resources. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so the one in 10 statistic applies to the US and how a rare disease is, find, uh, sorry, is defined here and how often it occurs here. But in the UK, I know it's uh, one in 17 which is different. So depending on where you're listening, your country will have a different statistic. Um, and because it's regardless, you know, rare is rare. Is rare. And especially in, in a country as big as the U.S., mm -hmm. those people can be fairly spread out. Yeah. So there's over 7,000 different types of rare disease. So just because you have one, if you're in a group of, of um, you know, 20 people, that doesn't mean that the other person with the rare condition is going to have your same one. Yeah. Um, so that can feel really isolating. Especially because it's like, it's not like all of these diseases, the common link is that they're rare. It's not that, like, the diseases can be painful in so many different ways that can manifest really uniquely. So it's like, even if you both have a rare experience, you might share an experience of people not knowing what your disease is or how to spell it. <laughs> um, or ever, or your doctor not knowing how to spell it, um, or your doctor not believing that you could have it because it's they didn't the learn thing about they know it. about. It. <laughs> yeah, um, or what they learn is that they shouldn't assume that someone has a rare disease when a common one is possible. Um, but uh, yeah, so the experiences there's like so much overlap, but there's also so many areas that are unique between disease states. One hundred percent. And so that's another way that, that storytelling can, can be important. Um, for people who are living with a rare condition, so many have never met another individual with their same condition. Yeah. Um, and that can be so important to just not feeling alone, um, to be able to see someone who's maybe uh, succeeding in areas where um, your doctor wasn't sure that that yeah. would be possible for for you, mm -hmm. and to and of course even within the same disease, there can be a lot of variability in yeah. terms of uh, presentation and, and manifestation. But it 
creates so much good for people to see other people living their lives and having meaningful relationships and finding successes and maintaining a, a positive attitude or a good quality of life with the condition that they've been diagnosed with, especially for someone who's newly diagnosed and has no idea what to expect. Um, so in that regard, patient stories, being able to Google your disease and then find stories of people who are involved in the community or sharing their yeah. experiences or tips. That's what I was thinking about. Like something I hear so much at conferences is um, like people with rare diseases will say like, well, I'm experiencing X, Y, Z, but my doctor says that's not a part of my condition. And then everyone at the table will be like, I also have X, Y, Z. And when you really think about sort of like to have a good study, like you need a lot of funding um, and, uh, you know, it takes a long time to have a good study. And then once you get into sort of the area of rare disease, a lot of these things aren't really known about by anybody. Um, mm -hmm. And so like there isn't really a treatment developed for for like doing something really specific like how do you brush your kids teeth if like you know something specific is going on with like their saliva or like you know like mm -hmm. there are things that parents know um or patients know or caregivers that you won't really find um you won't find in medical literature you won't find anywhere besides hearing the story of someone who experienced it firsthand a hundred percent um there's no one who knows the, the disease better than the people who are living with it and the people who are directly caring day to day for the people who are living with it. And I, I've seen so much advice in, in terms of things like that, brushing teeth or, or kind of more holistic approaches at work um, in terms of just even equipment uh, yeah. for, for what works best for different conditions and, and sometimes the symptoms that are sometimes still undocumented. So being able to, to have these communities uh, online and read these stories, we think it's really important. And unfortunately, a lot of what you may see in terms of patient stories in mainstream media tends yeah. to be either a scientific breakthrough or, unfortunately, something that's kind of hyper-sensationalized. Yeah, like people who, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that will talk about rare disease, but... It, they won't talk about it for other people who might have the rare disease. So it will be kind of making a spectacle mm -hmm. of someone's symptoms or um, like it'll be using it for shock value instead of just to sort of be like, yeah, like this is one way that the body exists and there are people who exist like this. And right. that's like the condition that they have. Or um, a lot of it I find, you know, I think this is something that I feel and I know other people feel but can also vary, and I know there are people who benefit from it, but, um, you know, when a general news outlet publishes something on someone with a rare disease, but it's very, like, sweet and overly inspirational, but not mm -hmm. inspirational in a way where it's, like, like, I mean, things can be inspirational, and that's a wonderful thing, but almost inspirational in a kind of condescending way. Yeah. Um, like, wow, congratulations that for this person, like, for existing. And, like, mm -hmm. it's, like, a little patronizing. It's, like, they have a rare disease. They're not, like, a child. Or, I mean, sometimes they are a child. 50% <laughs> of them are children. <laughs> That's the stat. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, instead of just treating people with rare diseases as um, other humans who, like, this is what came in their life's yeah. hand of cards. and But they still have, like, a sense of humor and, like, 
skepticism about some things, but at other points are inspired and have wonderful relationships and just taking a, a more rounded approach to what it means to live with a rare disease. A hundred percent. It's it's not just they're so impressive for for living their lives with a condition they never asked to have, but more so looking at them as a whole person of they don't wake up and it's always yeah. sunshine and rainbows, but they've got adversity and, and they've it's not all consuming for them because they also have a personality and hopes and yeah. dreams that are probably separate from that. Yeah. Um, what are the, uh, something we mentioned earlier, uh, why you shouldn't feel obligated to share your story. Like it's great for developing community and for helping other people. And also it's therapeutic. Like a lot of people find it yeah. cathartic and it helps them find meaning, but, um, and not yeah. everyone wants to do it. Right. So I think that it's, it is, there's so many benefits. And I also want to mention just that uh, our partners, our, our friends at the ULF, they had a, a speaker also who uh, was a physician discussing the benefit of sharing patient stories with medical students that they remember. Yeah, yeah, that the medical students remember the rarest conditions and, and have more of an interest. Also, the ULF is the United Leukodystrophy Foundation. Yes. So just want to give them a <laughs> full length. Shout out. Shout out. Hi. <laughs> you can check them out on, at their website we and them. on their partner page uh, on patientworthy.com. <laughs> um, they're a wonderful resource uh, for all types of leukodystrophies. Um, but the sharing patient stories uh, with medical students creates more of a, it, it does add personhood back into, um, you know, this this magical education. It's not just case studies and, and, and science, but it's... Um, real lives that are being impacted. So there's so many benefits, solidarity and understanding and connection. But I think where people need to be careful is, um, and us as well, as a company that features patient stories, you need to be careful not to uh, act as though there's pressure or obligation. There shouldn't be any shame with not sharing your story. If someone doesn't feel comfortable or doesn't particularly just want to discuss um, their personal experiences, they, that is a hundred percent okay. Um, illness and rare conditions are, are something that inherently comes with a certain amount of, of vulnerability. There's so much that is out of, um, people's control just day to day and, you know, physician's office is when they're, um, undergoing treatments. There's so much that they don't have a say in, um, and, Choosing what to share and what not to share is yeah. very personal, individual, right? Yeah, it's also just your body. Like, I feel like your body is one of the most personal things in the world. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, person, personal. <laughs> um, like, it's all... But, like, you know, even, um, even, like, without considering disease, people have so many, like, insecurities about their body. Yeah. And, like, with disease, they also do. Um, and things that they're still coming to terms with themselves. Have you ever seen pressure to share your story? Um, it's something that I've personally just been very sort of hyper aware of in, in, in terms of making sure that when I'm offering people the opportunity to share their story that they don't feel like there's an obligation and also because you just you do see a lot of more value I think recently of about sharing your stories and and the good that it can do in terms of advocating uh, for awareness and for research and for newborn screening and 
legislation and all these kinds of things that I wonder if people feel bad if they're reticent to share. Yeah. Um, and I also think that it's, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, oh, got it back. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, I also think that it's, it's one of those things where people may have many different reasons for being hesitant about sharing. Um, we do offer the opportunity for people to share on our platform, uh, anonymously with a pseudonym, a pen name, um, because some people are really comfortable sharing their experiences, but are concerned about, uh, how that might impact things like Like their job yeah their their employment um things with their insurance they they just don't want it necessarily uh to come back to them in certain places of their life and i think that's that's something we are we definitely respect um oh i also lost my thought because i was also thinking about something (laughs) okay sorry um uh, oh, I, no, the thing that I was thinking about is that there's also a lot of different ways to share your story. Like, yeah. we offer um, this one way, which is that either people send us a story and we edit and publish it, or they interview with one of our writers and we um, we write it up. And we either use a pseudonym or a real name. Um, and now we have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's called Wait, How Do You Spell It? Colon, a rare disease podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, actually, I think I just said our title wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, it's the first episode. Um, but uh, there's also just sharing between other people. I know yeah. something um, Something that I was just thinking about through all of this. Uh, we mentioned earlier that we have both been impacted by rare disease. And it is. it actually is kind of this... Um, I'm like only talking for myself personally. Um, it does add this sort of like awkward interstitial space when like I'm going to a rare disease conference and people are like so do you have a rare disease and like you know I actually literally like my job is working at a website that shares rare disease stories but I'm always sort of like hmm like kind of want to keep exactly what my experience is and how it like uh, like pertains to me a little separate from Mm -hmm. like because this like first of all like my experience is super different than a lot of the people I talk to. And, like, I don't want to sort of be like, oh, I know about what you're going through because I had, like, X, Y, Z happen to me. Um, and also just, I'm, you know, I'm at work. Um, right. <laughs> it's a little different when you're attending us as a professional rather than, than a patient. And I think yeah. you can draw on your experiences to, to connect and to understand and relate to people. Yeah. But, but I, I do feel like, you know, especially in the sharing context, people are like, oh, so, like, so, so what's going on? <laughs> like, um, which, you know, I'll talk about to some extent, but like I, um, but in certain contexts and, but something I have found is one time I did end up going to a conference of a disease that has impacted aspects of my life. Um, and sharing with the people there felt really different mm-hmm. than sharing with people who, had never heard of it or, um, you know, had like, like were affected by something super different or just sharing with a broad audience that, um, is full of all different people and like the internet is full of all different people. Right. And so like, basically what I was just thinking about is sharing your story doesn't necessarily mean sharing your story with the world wide web. It could just mean sharing your story at a conference, like reaching out to someone whose article you read and trying to 
uh, see if they're open to getting in touch. Yeah. Um, or joining a Facebook group. Like, it doesn't have to look like something that is super uncomfortable for you for it to be meaningful uh, to other people in your community and for you. Yeah, 100%. I think that's a really good point. Um, it doesn't have to be accessible to the general public for it for it to carry weight and to, to have meaning. Uh, I think a lot does happen with just a Facebook message or a phone call or an in-person conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that to be for someone to be put on the spot um, or to feel like they need to, to share something with people who, who maybe are a little separate from that space that they're in, um, that is really difficult because you also don't know the context that the other person is, is ugh, the other <laughs> person is in. Um, you don't know the context of the other person, you know, their frame of reference, the questions that they might ask you, how they're going to react. So I think it's a really personal decision. And if you want to share your story in any capacity, um, finding what is most comfortable for you, I think is whatever that is, is the right thing. Mm -hmm. And it's something that can change throughout time. Yeah. Like maybe you're comfortable at some point and at another point you're not comfortable and you don't have to like be like, I am one way or another way. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> and of course you, you don't want anyone to feel, um, I don't know, ashamed about uh, talking about their, their illness or their condition. Um, but the reality is just in the, the social, cultural context that people exist in that that's can be hard to shake. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have, like, I've heard people talk about, um, you know, like, they'll have a rare disease where, like, they'll lose a family member to the rare disease and then they'll go try to do advocacy and people, like, they'll feel worried that people think that they have, like, ulterior, I'm thinking of how to phrase this, but, like, They'll be doing advocacy to make change in the disease state that obviously like losing a loved one deeply impacts you forever and um they'll feel sort of a sense of judgment that like maybe people think that they are talking too much about their condition and stuff and like a sense of judgment surrounding it mm -hmm. and i guess sort of with that you know and like right now i'm thinking about um things that you share publicly like things that you advocate for and that you care about um it is sort of like kind of an extreme to that people will judge you for just advocating for treatment for a disease that affects your family. But it, it, it does sort of feel like that's kind of just the nature of like the world is anything you put out there has the potential to get a little bit of prickling to it. Yeah. Um, like someone will always find something to latch mm -hmm. on to. Yeah. And I will say, because our, our platform is specifically catering to the rare disease community, typically the feedback is Yeah, no, I don't want to scare people off. Like, <laughs> the people people who follow our website are not on here to judge you. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, it is the opposite of the, that. It, I'm thinking more about, like, this is something that people have talked about on the website, which is that, like, mm -hmm. they're trying to do, like, a fundraiser at school and people are... In the real world. Yeah, yeah. like, like from people who have totally different experiences and might not like understand how it actually feels to be impacted by a disease. Um, but like having an experience like that or being afraid to have an experience like that is a reason that I feel like some people are nervous about sharing their story or don't feel ready to do it or don't want to do it. Yeah. Why don't we um, sort of wrap this up with a quote? A quote? Yeah, I was thinking 
that like I feel like podcasts often end in games and I was like oh rare disease isn't fun enough for a game yeah not quite not quite I mean okay like you you can't you can have fun at like I've gone to you can have fun and have a rare disease but a disease itself is not fun necessarily comical in itself yeah well I was going to share a quote um by Rita Sharon uh she wrote the book narrative medicine Honoring the Stories of Illness. I've heard you talk about this book so many times. I would recommend it. Um, in a good way. Like, yeah. I really believe this is an essential book in the heart of Rebecca. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> here is the quote. Narrative knowledge provides one person with a rich, resonant grasp of another person's situation as it unfolds in time. Using narrative knowledge enables a person to understand the plight of another by participating in his or her story with complex skills of imagination, interpretation, and recognition. So in short, stories are powerful. They can be empowering to the person who is sharing the story. Um, and it's really a way to, to foster community and solidarity and can also truly just act as a catalyst for change. And in short, Rebecca has a degree in medical anthropology. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you. Thanks for thanks for selecting a quote. Yeah, anytime. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, we will um, we will wrap this episode up now. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, um, and on patientworthy.com. Right now, I know we're initially going to be hosting this podcast on Podbean, but we hope to be able to move it over to Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher in the future. Um, rate, review, and subscribe is something I hear people say on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be back uh, hopefully next week. Yeah. Uh, feel free to contact us. Um, we've got some emails listed on the website. You can create an account with us if you'd like. Um, you can submit a story online or you can go to or send an email rather to contribute at patientworthy.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. All right. Thank you. In. I wish we had a little a little goodbye thing like stay there. But like, well, it doesn't that's no, that doesn't work because you don't necessarily want to do no. that. Maybe um, um, we'll work on this. We'll work on that. Maybe next episode. <laughs> Check back. Check back. Leave it in the comment section. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah. We'll we'll give you a shout out if we choose it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Till uh, next time. Bye.